Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast and letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and you're very welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. This is Mike Collins, and today's episode is called, Which of These Irish Stories Do You Prefer? So, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Along with the normal great music, I hope you're all enjoying, we're going to have two very, very different, I suppose, presentation styles for the stories. The first story we're actually going to cover is one that you're quite familiar with in a format you're familiar with already where Karina is going to chat a little bit about the history of people coming into Ireland and how the counties were formed. So a little bit like a more formal history lesson. But for the second letter, we're going to do things very differently. And let me explain. A number of years ago, when we were down in Skibbereen in West Cork, we bumped into a local man and he was a poet he was a wedding uh, speech writer. He was a rapper. He was a lot of different things. He's a man called Cormac Lally. And um, Cormac was a fascinating guy because he was probably the closest we'd ever come to the Irish bards, the Irish poets of old. And what he was very, very good at was capturing a story that was presented to him, but then actually coming up with a reverse version so he could tell the story back to the friends of the uh, person, perhaps at a wedding party. But what we used him for was that we actually had a member of the year that year, a man called Jim Purcell. And Jim Purcell provided Cormac with his potted family history in Ireland and moving over to America. And we basically asked Cormac to come up with a verse version of the story of the Purcells. And he did that, and he did that brilliantly. So we'd like to share that with you today. And in essence, that second letter, the one that Cormac is actually going to read out himself, is a different type of presentation of a family history, different to what you might be used to. And uh, I think we'll let you judge that for yourself. So we're going to have uh, plenty of music along the way as well. And I've chosen three tracks today, three pieces of music, and they all feature County Galway. The first one is The Arrival of the Queen of Sheba to Galway by Daydanen. We're going to follow up with the Rocky Road to Dublin, all about a gentleman leaving tomb in County Galway from the High Kings. And we're going to finish up with Galway Bay with Dolores Keane. So before we have Karina reading our first letter, over to Daydanen and the arrival of the Queen of Sheba to Galway.
When people join us here on The Letter, we ask them to share the surnames in their Irish family tree and the counties they came from too. But did you realise that Irish surnames were mostly in place long before most Irish counties were formed? Let's have a further look at what I mean and see if you can find one of your own Irish ancestral counties. Which county did your Irish ancestor come from? When we think of Ireland, we often think of a county name such as County Cork, County Galway, County Louth and so on, all the way through the 32 traditional counties on this island of Ireland. In this letter, we'll look at these administrative slices of Ireland that we have come to know and love as part of our shared heritage. So, what was the first county in Ireland? Up to the arrival of the Normans in the late 1100s, Ireland did not have a county system. The county was an administrative invention of the Normans, who needed a system to allocate lands to adventurers and planters, and to enforce taxes in a more efficient manner. Let's have a look at a timeline for the formation of those counties up to 1649 AD. Now, this timeline quite accurately reflects the colonial ambition of the Normans and England as they widened their administration across the island of Ireland. The shiring of Ireland started in the late 12th century when the newly arrived Normans imposed a similar system to the one already in England and Wales. The Normans divided their occupied portion of the island by amalgamating smaller Gaelic kingdoms known as Tuatha. These Tuatha, spelt T-U-A-T-H-A, were made up of smaller family lands that shared many of the same boundaries that we see in the townland system of today. By 1200 AD, counties of Dublin, Cork, Kerry, Limerick, Louth, Tipperary, Waterford, Kilkenny and Wexford were formed. These counties covered the land to the east and southeast of the island and around the existing Viking port cities of Ireland too, namely Dublin, Cork, Waterford, Wexford and Limerick. The lands were both fertile and some held port cities for trade. Those Normans had their eye on the commercial ball for sure. 1292 AD, County Roscommon was formed. 1297 AD, Counties Kildare and Meath were formed. 1306 AD, County Carlow was formed. The formation of Counties Kildare, Meath and Carlow represented an expansion of existing Norman lands. Shortly after, there was a pause to the Anglo-Norman sharing of the island and a Gaelic resurgence won back a lot of Norman-occupied lands over the following years. By 1543 AD, County Westmeath was formed by breaking Meath into two parts. When the Tudors came to power in England, there was a renewed interest in reclaiming the lands in Ireland from the native Irish. This marked the removal of the native Irish from their historic lands 
and the start of a sequence of plantations from England and later from Scotland, replacing native Irish landholders with English-speaking farmers and adventurers of the Protestant faith. 1556 AD, Kings County, called County Offaly nowadays, and Queen's County, now known as County Leash, were formed. They became the first planted counties in Ireland. The province of Connacht was also divided into the counties of Galway, Mayo and Sligo. 1565 AD, counties Clare and Leitrim were formed. 1583 AD, County Longford was formed. 1584 AD, County Cavan was formed. In 1585 AD, we have counties Armagh, Donegal, Fermanagh, Monaghan and Tyrone formed. Early 1600s, counties Antrim and Down were formed. 1606 AD, County Wicklow was formed. And 1613 AD, County Londonderry was formed. By the time Cromwell arrived in Ireland in 1649 AD, all of the counties we recognise today were in place. The counties were further divided into a system of civil parishes, as well as towns, cities and townlands. But these are land divisions, so a discussion for another day. How about you? Did you hear of a county there that your Irish ancestor came from in that timeline? So if you ask the question, which county does my Irish surname come from? Remember that most Irish surnames come from a time before most counties were formed. And as a result, many Irish surnames don't fit tidily inside county boundaries but tend to spread across regions that often cover more than one county. That being said, however, county allegiance is very strong here in Ireland and your ancestor would have identified strongly with a particular county when asked. So, as we say here in County Cork, up the rebels! That's the rallying call to all Corkonians, myself included. In the merry month of June, from me home I started, left the girls at June, nearly broken hearted, salute to father dear, kiss me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears to smother, then off to reap the corn, leave where I was born, cut to stout black thorn to banish ghosts and goblins, a brand new pair of brogues, rattling o'er the bogs, frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five, hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road, all the way to Dublin, whack full only in Mullingar that night I rested limbs so weary Started by daylight, me spirits sprite And there he took a drop of the pure Keep me heart from sinking, that's the paddy's cure Whenever he's on for drinking To see the lassie smile, laughing all the while At me curious style, to set your heart to bubbling And asked if I was hard, wages I required Till I was nearly tired of the rocky road To double and one, two, three, four, five Hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road All the way to double and whack full all 
and next arrived I thought it such a pity to be so soon deprived A view of that fine city Well then I took a stroll All among the quality bundle it was stole All in a neat locality Something crossed me mind When I looked behind the bundle Could I find upon me sick a wobbling Inquiring for the road Said me connect broke Wasn't much in vogue On the rocky road to double And one, two, three, four, five Hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road All the way to double and whack for lolly Just as the ship was sailing, the captain at me roared Said the door of Maddie when I jumped aboard A cabin found for Paddy Down among the pace, played some bonny rakes Danced some hearty jigs, the water round me bubbling When a poly head wish myself was dead Or better far instead On the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five Hunt the hair and turn her down the rocky road All the way to Dublin, whack for lolly Safely landed, called myself a fool I could no longer stand it Blood began to boil Temper I was losing Poor old Aaron's Isle They began abusing Harami so says I'm a shillelagh I live like Galway boys were nigh as all I was a hobble and with a loud hooray Joined in the affray We quickly cleared the way For the rocky road to double and one, two, three, four, five Hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road All the way to double and whack for lolly rah Hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road all the way to Dublin, whack for lolly rah, whack for lolly rah, whack for lolly The High Kings there with that old favourite, the Rocky Road to Dublin. And before that, we had Karina with What County Did Your Irish Ancestor Come From? So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to switch now to a very different style of presentation. We have a gentleman by the name of Cormac Lally, and he's going to go through an entire family history of one of our Green members. It's a man called Jim Purcell, and he provided Cormac with his potted history of the Purcell family in Ireland, and they're moving over to the USA. And this is what Cormac Lally came back with. The Purcells. Hugh Purcell came to Ireland in 1169. The name translated literally to mean herder of swine. The world was in the throes of crusades and holy wars when Strongbow took the notion to invade these Irish shores. The King of Leinster overthrown by one Rory O'Connor, so the King contracted Strongbow to reinstate his honour. There was battles up the country, there was verse and ballads sung for the Purcell's Irish family ladder. This is its starting rung. Now, Hugh Purcell himself was a diplomat tactician. New peace could be implemented through marriage of tradition, and violence, rape and murder unnecessary in his head if his son could meet a princess and get her into bed. Now, as it happened, by coincidence, Tipperary, at that time, was absolutely terrorised by a pair of massive swine. A boar and sow so bloodthirsty they ravaged crops and man. The local king, despairing, offered up his daughter's hand to the knight who'd end the torment of these wild and bloody beasts. Says he, I'll make no promises, but I'll have a go at least. 
So Purcell picked his finest arrows, restrung his faithful bow, took leave of his countrymen, into the forest he did go. And stalking through the woods, he caught the boars at rest, and riddled them with arrows, till hearts were found in breasts. Triumphant he returned, with blood upon his sword, and that's why Lochmore translates as the field of the reward. And the reason Purcell's crest bears four boars instead of two, we'd have to guess embellishment in the pub after a few. So young Purcell and the princess were wed within the year. Dug foundations, drew up plans, and settled down right here. Now the castles that these Normans built were technically defensive, but Lockmore though has none of these, though quiet and height extensive. Which would make a man to wonder, was it luck or was it love, that the locals never looted once when come to push and shove? and widely were respected, needing not to be afraid, as long as all their tithes and taxes were dutifully paid. So we now pick up the story around 1651, with the birth of Nicholas Purcell, Colonel James's eldest son. He fought with gallantry and bravery at the Limerick and the Boyne, saw his brother slaughtered by King William's cannon swine. He advised King James himself, but stayed here in defeat, when the wild geese took to Europe and Cromwell claimed the seat. Staunch Catholics, the Purcells, evicted by the Church of England when refusing to swap religions and convert, but through a canny marriage to the butlers of Ormond, they claim back all the lands they lost once more on solid ground. This butler girl he married was a catch with lots of land, a noble maid of Ormond with a bearing high and grand, the couple then met tragedy, their only infant son he died, dropped in a vat of boiling water that was cooking up inside. The last baron popped his clogs in 1723, all the land fairly divided between his female family. And from here it gets quite hazy, details are rare and slim, I suppose we'll have to wait for more digging done by Jim. Then up pops Edmund Purcell, Date of birth unknown, he marries Ellen Carr on the census it is shown. That they had half a dozen children, sure that was surely plenty, including great-great-granddad Patrick, who was born in 1820. Then pestilence and famine came in 1845. Patrick left for America with Mary Nesbitt, his new bride. They settled outside Pottsville in Pennsylvania State, working as a tailor, putting food upon the plate. Edward born in 46 and John in 1850, they prospered there in Pottsville with Mary wife so thrifty. Until the smell of civil war came creeping across the state and Patrick, John and Edward volunteered and cast their fate. All three survived the carnage of that bloody awful time, settling in quiet peace to try and earn the dime. Time passed then and Edward, he married a young Jane a Fleming girl who bore for him a son who na they named James. James, our great-grandfather, then married Eva Fisher, a pretty young bookkeeper, which ensured a family fisher. For Eva, she was German, and World War I was nigh, but love prevailed and politics couldn't keep her from her guy. When peace was finally restored and things then settled down, they reared themselves a family outside of New York town. A fertile coupling produced four big strapping lads who then all went on to marry, themselves becoming dads. 
Edward married Gladys Billing, or Aunt Billy, as she's known. Jack met Elizabeth Langton from the Kilkenny side of home. Andrew married Myrna Iglesias, a Puerto Rican lass, so we've Spanish-speaking cousins now, which in itself is gas. But our dad, James, was canny, and married at Cantwell. Rita was her first name, and they got along real well. Her family ran a speakeasy through prohibition times, when the drinking of all liquor funnily became a crime. They ran a boarding house in the Catskills of New York, providing city dwellers with lodgings, cup and fork. And it was there we cut our teeth every summer in the trade. We started in the kitchen first, where all the meals were made. From there we'd get promoted to even tending bar, where we'd listen to the stories as they flowed over a jar. Nana Cantwell was a Rogers, whose parents hailed from Tip, left their home in hard times and came here on a ship. Joe and Ethel Cantwell gave us love and knowledge, not exactly now the lessons that they teach to you in college. We've roots that follow bloodlines of Irish history. Our story follows heartbreak, joy and misery. We've relations in the thousands and cousins now galore, connected and respected on many foreign shores. So until we dig much deeper and probe the genealogy well, that's just about everything we have on the Purcells.
Very County Galway sounding Dolores Keane there with Galway Bay. So folks, what do you think? Which of those two Irish story formats did you prefer? Wasn't it some privilege to actually get uh, somebody, a poet of the stature of Cormac Lally, to sit down with you, work through your entire family history and come back with something like he did just there in verse? Absolutely astonishing talent. So thanks very much Cormac for that. And thank you to Karina for reading which county did your Irish ancestor come from. And of course, thank you to yourself for taking the time to listen today. And I hope you did enjoy today's show. In fact, if you did enjoy it, could I ask you something? Perhaps take a moment or two to leave a review. Uh, whatever platform you're on, you might be in a forum or you might be in Apple iTunes or somewhere like that at the moment. And indeed, if you did enjoy today's show, take a moment to tell one or two of your friends and family members about it. Right, so this is Mike here. And just before I sign off to say that if you're listening to this podcast at the end of May 2023, we're going to take the next six weeks or so off in which we won't be providing original podcast material. However, we will in fact be replaying the best, six of the best in fact, of our most popular podcasts over the last two years. So you can look forward to one of those every week for the next six weeks and we'll be seeing you again uh, in the middle of July. So until then, slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina.